Edelman Dalian. Not in yet. I'm listening to music. Okay. Hi, oh, you're, oh, you're in now. Okay. All right. So here's here's how we'll start this. Uh, it's being recorded, obviously. Is that I will. What I'm going to do is I'm going to act as if we're coming back from the break. Because the way I'm going to handle right. this is on Friday, I'm going to do the monologue, break, do your ad, and then bring you in, and then break afterwards. Okay? Okay. All right. So I'm about to start, and then we'll take it from there, and I have a series of questions. All oh, right. You did. Three, two, one. We're back. This is Richmond Biz Live and RichmondBizLive.com. If you want to join us, the number is 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. And we have Linda Heath of Financial Holographics today, but we don't have her in the studio. We have her on remote. So, Linda, how you doing? Bill, I am just fine. This is exciting. This is a new technology experience for me. Well, this is our this is our internet platform, which which is our uh, business live news, and we haven't promoted it very much. But uh, so anyway, let's uh, let's talk. That was an inter- interesting article you gave me yesterday. Uh, it really blew my mind uh, because as I was reading it, it really did explain a lot of things that don't make any sense, especially uh, as an economist. And so you've had me for 24 hours going. Money is like crack. Money is like crack. Money is like crack. Help me out here. Well, I will. I want to back up for a second um, because I want to talk a little bit about why um, I created Financial Holographics and the audience we want to serve and why, because that really, this article explained a lot to me. And um, Bill will tell the audience what the article is, maybe give them the the links. And the article, did you notice the date? This was uh, published back in 2009, but I think it's even more true than ever. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I did not. I did not look at the date. I was just taken back by how did this get by me, because because the, the new scientist is something that I routinely look at. Well, that's interesting. I don't know how I found it, but um, of course we were in the recession, and I, my my company at that point we had had started Financial Holographics in 2007, and I have been a banker and a business owner for many many years, and over the course of time of being in banking, then getting out, working in companies, being back in banking, and so forth. What I had noticed that most of my focus had been on commercial lending and underwriting businesses, figuring out what drives their industry, how does this business make money, what can go wrong, how can I make a difference. And I felt that the analysis that banks do in trying to make commercial loan decisions, that process and information would be extremely useful to the business owners, to the CEOs and CFOs of really the middle market companies are the ones that you and you've been sharing with us on this radio season, um, the high-impact firms, the ones that are actually creating jobs. Not all private enterprises create jobs. Um, and so that, that was the goal, to provide this level of analysis to them, not to tell them how to run their companies, but to give them hard data about what was actually going on. Once your company gets to a certain size, the CEO, the person with the vision and the drive and, and the most at risk, can't see every activity and every employee at work. It's just too big. And they're working through other people and things trickle, information trickles up. Um, and my belief is that if they have um, 
data turned into information, and as one of my clients said to me yesterday, when I want actionable information, then they would know, their guts would tell them what to do with it, but I don't think they should trust their guts to figure out what's going on. So that was the whole vision. Well, it has been um, a much slower development process than I had expected. So I was, uh, over the past couple of weekends, I decided to clean up my home office. I have an office that I go to to work. I like the separation. But I was straightening up in there, and I found this article, and the title is, and this is a synopsis of the original article in New Science, but the synopsis said, this is your brain on money. (laughs) Yeah, that was my reaction, too. It's like, what? (laughs) What does that mean? And so you, I'll, I'll do the short version, and then you help our listeners understand the bigger picture. But it basically said um, some scientists and more than one group have uh, decided to see if our brains are hardwired in any sort of way to interact with money. Um, economists look at it one way, and I'd like for you to share with me what you were saying earlier. And people react another way, and they basically said there are two neural pathways in the brain and people either respond to brain with the same I mean respond to money the words that relate to money the concepts of money the ideas and even handling cash did you see the part about uh, in some people touching cash can relieve pain in the body that blew me away yeah I it, yes which talks about how psychological it is because there's no way that a piece of paper or a piece of silver or gold has any impact on human health. Right. But, but what yeah, they, I mean, they did, I guess yeah. they shot him up with um, something radioactive and wired up, put put electrodes on their, their brain or MRIs and so forth, and then ran concepts, and they found some people respond to, to the concepts around money just the way the brain responds on crack, alcohol, addictive types of relationships. And then other people respond to money and those concepts the way they respond to a really good friend. Yep. And and so take that a little bit further. What does that really mean? Let's let's say that I have the view of crack, or I have the view of money. What then happens with money when I get some? Well, I think it's it's addictive and it causes people to behave very irrationally. They think they're being rational. They're obviously trying to solve something in their their life or their business, and um, they keep repeating certain behaviors that are not beneficial to them, but somehow believe that it is. And and that's the problem. Uh, I I had a business partner many years ago who got hooked on crack, and and I saw what it did to everything in his life. It was heartbreaking. Well, you you think about it, crack is you can't stop taking it. So the people that are addicted... For people that the money is like crack, what happens is you go, you say to them, you know, three months later, you went through all that money, you have nothing left. Right. As opposed to the ones that where money is a friend, uh, they're typically right. the savers. Interesting. Well, and as a matter of so fact, it made me think about. This, yeah. Go ahead. Well, let me just say my reaction to this article was because I was talking about the general population and my reaction was I wonder if people who are attracted into entrepreneurship and business ownership are function more like if, if their brain typically they are more like the the ones hooked on crack that 
pathway. Um, and maybe the high-impact firms, the ones that are truly successful in a mass um, customer bases and employee bases and vendors and they're really successful and they generate a lot of money and they retain it and they build strong companies, what if those business owners and executives have a brain that treats money as a friend? And I wish that we could get the scientists interested in testing that. Yeah, that would be a great idea because, you know, one of the one of the principles that we talked about especially in season one where we're talking about the 80% of the companies out there that are struggling to stay in business is you got to create a, a culture of frugality is that, you know, what, and maybe, maybe what we've got here is we've got the cause of that. Cause you know, unless your culture is purposely done and you never do that in a startup, the culture is what it becomes because of how people act as they're trying to get the job done. Those companies right. that are not frugal is the owner is a crack addict, so to speak. Right, or perhaps they attract like-minded people into their organization, and when they do start to delegate and they become larger, they may have a key person or a supervisor or someone that that are running their jobs and behaving day to day in the in, in their workplace um, with this addictive sort of behavior where you repeat things that are not helpful, and sometimes they don't figure out until it's had a lot of negative impact on the company. Yeah, I as somebody who has studied um economics and I I profess to be a member of the Austrian uh family, the Austrian group, not the nationality, but uh Ludwig van Mises and um and uh, Friedrich Hayek. The, the the this explains a lot of the, what why Austrian economics works because it talks about people affect the market because a lot of models are based upon total rationality. Now, just like politics, right. you, know, a lot of, you can hear a lot of people in politics say they're voting against the self-interest because they're thinking that the decision to vote politically is a rational decision, and most of the time it's not. It's emotional. Well, it's the same thing right. here. In fact, Greenspan, Greenspan, remember, said a long time ago about an um, I think it. I think the quote is unsubstantiated exuberance when people looking at the market, and what he was explaining is a bubble because what a bubble is in a market is simply – the value of the, what what we are willing to pay for something is more than the actual value of it, and eventually that thing busts. The internet, 2000, bust. The housing market in 2007, and just two examples of that. Mhm. And so, meanwhile, you've got well, Jerry Maguire. You've got Jerry Maguire-like people promoting financial schemes of all types. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's uh, if you wanted to start a business and you wanted to, a surefire way of, of getting people to get involved is play to crack. Play to the, play right. to the crack motive. Well, uh, you know, so yeah. I, I would love for us to find a way to use this bill to help people figure out. And I also wonder if in lending you could say, well, bring me your brain scan. I need to see which way you work on money. <laughs> Well, you know, bankers ask for just about everything else already. So, you know, what would what would a brain scan add to it? You know, I think the depositors' money to you. I, 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 the other part of this, you know, the the positive thing that I got from this as we as we kind of close out the segment was, I think it relates to fight or fl- uh, fight or flight, and that. You know the 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 old response to stress that's hardwired into our body because this article got a lot into 
the Limbrick system and how a lot of our responses to money are almost hardwired into us. And it made me think of under duress, humans do one of two things. They stand and fight or they run. And the impact on money is if people who have money don't run because their their feeling of of self-efficacy and their feeling of, of self-control and their feeling of uh, basically self-confidence is that if you have wealth, um, you're more willing to stand your ground is that if you're poor, you got, I, it, it affects your concept of yourself and you know image and social role and a couple of those other factors. And so, you know, that that's the good part of money and the good part of wealth is that people become more self-sufficient, uh, not because they have the wealth, you know, they have the money in the bank, but because they believe in themselves. And that's and that is reinforced by the fact they got money in the bank. Just an interesting insight. Well, I mean, I could go on and on about this article because it kind of blew my mind on just how many different things I went, wow. So anyway, what's your closing thoughts? Well, my closing thoughts... Um, and, and Rats, I, I was listening to you so closely, I think it, it, it escaped me. Um, well, you can edit this out, I hope. <laughs> Give me a second. Maybe. Me. And maybe not. Um, I just think that it, the, the self-awareness that this brings to some people out there who are so frustrated and trying to take their business to the next level and they may not understand where they've gotten in the way. And one of the things the article said was that people whose brains work um, along the addictive pathway tend to be highly self-reliant and very unlikely to ask for help, which is interesting because all of your thought leaders on this show are giving away years of experience um, to help. And, and, you know, we don't get a lot of calls in yet, and we're hoping to in the future, but maybe it's, you know, we've got a large part of the audience that is, self-reliant, and um, unlikely to ask for help. Well, I ran this concept by a friend of mine who's been a business consultant, a turnaround artist for, for years and years, and I said, Tom, here's this article, here's what it said. And he said, well, Linda, I don't think that's right. The CEOs I know are very self-confident, and they generally think they're the smartest person in the room. And I had to laugh at him, Bill. I said, okay, you just proved the article. Self-reliant, self-confident, what's the difference? Not likely to ask for help. Well, of course not. If you think you're the smartest person in the room, you wouldn't. But these are the guys that you've been turning their businesses around. So um, I hope that we can just give our audience an aha moment, and maybe some of them would, would say, maybe I need to look a little deeper. How could I be transformed in order to take my company to the next level? Okay. All right. Uh, what I'll do is um, I'll, I, will attempt before, um, uh, I will attempt before the end of the day Friday to find the link to this because I don't want to rewrite the article. I think we just got to find a link and get people to go there and read it because I, it, 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 it is quite thought-provoking. We could do a couple shows on just the stimulate because I, I talked about two things. I got eight things on my list there that I went, wow, I know. maybe it means this. So we anyway, well, thank well, you. And, and Linda, by the way, what, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? Why, are, and, why aren't today? you in the studio? Well, on Friday, I've got a client meeting during the broadcast. Okay. So the business is a priority over the radio show, huh? And the right answer is yes. That's what we preach. Do you remember the first day you said, (laughs) we eat our own dog food, and I said, I'm a cat person, I eat my own cat food. That's what I'm doing. 
absolutely. I'm glad. I just wanted to. I wanted to say that on the radio. So Thank I appreciate you. that, Linda. Go get it done on uh, Friday, even though this show is going to be running on Friday. And uh, with that, what I like to say is uh, uh, thanks, Linda, for the for the piece, and we'll be right back. Thanks, Bill. Bye. Okay.